0: The following program sponsored by Marty McClendon. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is In My Opinion. I'm Marty McClendon, your host, and I'm fired up today. We have a lot to talk about, but the first thing I want to remind everybody, today is July 24th. You have 10 days to get your ballot into the Dropbox for the August 3rd primary election. This is so important. We know you have it on your table somewhere. We know we have it on your desk, in your mail. Make sure you grab that thing, review your voter's pamphlet, fill it out, and turn it in. Because the elections on the ballot this time around affect you and me and our families directly, city councils, uh, school board members, water districts, and so many others. But it's all in our hands. If we turn out and we vote, we elect the right people that represent our values at the local level. It's super, super important. I'm reminded of Bug's Life. I'm a parent. My kids are older now. But Bug's Life, there's a scene in that movie where the grasshoppers who were oppressing all these ants with a few number of them uh, had this discussion. They said, if they, the ants, ever figure out that there's more of them than uh, they are of us, our way of life will cease to exist. So when we Christian conservatives get out and vote... All this radical ideology legislation will cease to exist because we will win. There are more of us than there are of them. So here I am on my soapbox already this morning, but I want to get you pumped. I want to get you prepared. Make sure you understand and realize, uh, as much as I do, how important these local elections really are. As we're talking about local elections, I want to do a shout-out to a good friend of mine who moved over from the west side to the east side. He's running for... Uh, Quincy City Council, Dave Dormeyer. So if you're in Quincy, vote for Dave Dormeyer. He's a friend. He's a man of God. He's a Christian. He's an engineer by trade. He makes a living by solving problems for others. And isn't that what we need on city councils? People that want to solve problems. People that are there to serve others. um, That have their priorities straight. And so, once again, a big shout out to my friend, who was uh, literally the first person to jump on my campaign years ago when I ran for office. He said, I'm going to help you. We had so much in common. So shout out to Dave Dormeyer if you're listening. And before we get started with the rest of the show and the topic of today, can you believe it? The Olympics have started. Of course, the first news that popped out was the sports athlete for the women's soccer team that was undefeated or won so many in a row, like 300 in a row, Lost 3-0 after the team kneeled, um, sort of disrespecting the flag and, and the nation, of course. I won't talk too much about that, but I'm like, are you kidding me? You're representing the nation of America, the United States of America. I'm looking forward to watching the events. I love athletics. I love the Olympics, so I'm looking forward to it. But you think about this. We have an opportunity for our athletes and the world to come together to compete in a peaceful way. At the same time, you have the largest um, demonstration of people demanding freedom from a totalitarian regime in Cuba. You know, this Castro-led Cuba, where right now it's the largest in 60 years where people are demanding freedom. And what are they doing? They're waving the American flag, this, the symbol of hope and freedom around the world. It reminds me just several months ago, Even last year, when Hong Kong, they were demanding freedom from China, and they were flying the American flag again. It is literally the symbol of hope for the world. And then we have our own athletes disrespecting our flag. When we have the political left uh, denigrating our founding forefathers, the the, uh, American flag, and saying it's somehow racist or threatening in some ways. That's not the theme of today's show, but... What a juxtaposition we we find ourselves in right now when we see on the world stage a nation literally trying to overturn, overthrow the shackles of bondage, of totalitarianism that started off as a democratic election. Castro was elected and all of a sudden through these policies where the neighbors are literally told to report on their neighbor, which is what we're seeing here in America. We're being, we're being incentivized to tattletale on our neighbor versus loving our neighbor to tattletale. But they actually have assigned government uh, employees in every block to rat on your neighbor in Cuba. And so I just want to say, you know, that as we watch the Olympics, we need to be get behind people that want freedom, that want liberty. As the Cuban citizens are yelling, libertad, libertad, which is freedom, liberty over there, we should be supporting them. And once again, the juxtaposition, I'll point out one more thing, which we talk about on Doug and Marty versus the world today at 10 o'clock all across the ACN network, just like this show. We talk about the fact that across the southern border, your political left now uh, up in arms about how we need to leave the border open, uh, tear down the wall, that over 2 million illegal aliens will be crossing the border this year alone and somewhere in America. And they're talking about citizenship and so forth. And yet those same political elites on the left um, just the other day said that anybody in Cuba that tries to come here will be turned away. I don't get this. I do. It's political because they will probably vote Republican versus the other political left voting Democrat. But look at the juxtaposition. We want you to come in because we, this may be in our best interest that causes um, job, job loss, a lowering of wages, Um, bringing in 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 the COVID times too. It could be drugs. It could be sex trafficking. It could be COVID disease from unvaccinated people to the point where you have a nation that's trying to come out from declaring liberty, wanting to wave the American flag, loves the symbol of America, and they're told not to come. That juxtaposition is very clear. And so when we talk about these elections, it comes down to that. Who will stand with the... um, The freedom fighters and the freedom lovers, and who will stand with those that want to support a a oppressive regime, you know. And so, when it comes to lockdowns with COVID or or shutting down, uh, picking and choosing winners and losers with businesses, uh, these politics and the people we elect matter. And it's in our hands once again on my soapbox that we have a choice to start right here at the local level: city councils, um, school districts, school boards, directors water districts and sewer sewer districts and so forth, and fire uh, protection zones. So get out there and vote. Make sure you turn your ballot in. Make sure you get engaged and show up to these meetings as well. And before I forget, there's still an opportunity for you and your business to either be a sponsor or to advertise all across the ACN network, either on this show, in my opinion, or on our other show called Doug and Marty versus the world. Today's focus is, is education. I say that, first of all, I'm going to quote Karl Marx, which is really, really strange, of course. But we're talking about all this communist, Marxist, socialist teaching with critical race theory on my previous show. You've heard it all across the news. Well, Karl Marx, right? Father of communism here, says, Give me four years to teach the children, and the seed I have sown will never be uprooted. And he goes on to say, the education of all children from the moment that they can get along without the mother's care shall be in the state institutions at the state expense. Does that sound familiar? Bernie Sanders, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, state Washington Democrats. We want to have early learning, free college up until their second year in college, right? There's a big move across our state to do K through 24 or birth through 24, where the state controls everything your child learns, and we're seeing that through public education. So I want to talk about education today, some solutions, what we have to fight for, some talking points. But the first thing that struck me many, many years ago, when we're in the political arena talking about education, we're never talking about the same thing. Typically, on the political left, your Democrat candidates, when they say it's about education, we need more money for education, what they're saying is we need more money for teachers and teachers' unions. It's never about outcomes. It's about more money, more power, more control. They'll talk about the uh, being fair for the kids, that it's unfair to test them, or it's unfair... For those that may be lagging behind, so we're going to remove testing. In fact, this lat during COVID, the grades don't matter. You don't have to meet your graduation requirements. Those are all things that you think, oh, you're being compassionate. No, you're not. This is all for a different purpose. On the political right, we're always talking about education in the terms of outcomes. What is best for the kids? Are they better prepared for the world? Are they competitive in the job market? Are they able to function as a citizen of the United States of America without going to jail? Or, or do they have basic functions to go to college or to get a job? So until we actually have an honest conversation about outcomes and talking about what are the components involved to actually getting our kids the best opportunity to work, to have an education, and the things that they're supposed to learn, we're going to have more and more of things like critical race theory or comprehensive sex education or bills. They tried to pass, which is the uh, welcome to Washington baby act, which didn't pass yet where government employees could come into everyone's home to ostensibly check on the wellness of your baby. This is very George Orwellian 1984, very Cuba like in its nature. So we know we have a radical activist left trying to indoctrinate our kids through the public education system. Why is that happening? Well, part of it is is how powerful it is. The Washington State uh, Education Association, WEA, is the largest, most powerful lobby in the state of Washington. They have immense control upon legislation in the state. An example of that is the McCleary decision. That was one where they sued uh, the school district, the state of Washington, to say you're your underfunding education. Um, the legislature had to come up with a eight billion extra dollars to quote unquote fully fund. They found a way to do a levy swap, which means the taxes, the property taxes, were collected at the state level versus the local level, thus putting more strings on upon the money. Uh, at the local level, so you have more statewide control, more state-run control at the local jurisdictions because the money is divvied out through them. And then they had additional $1 billion uh, at the state level, the next legislative session, that was supposed to go to address gaps where the levy swap didn't work quite well for certain jurisdictions. And these teachers sued to have pay raises, the teachers' union. So when you have the most powerful lobby in the state, being the teachers union, they are focused on them and the teachers and their policies and not about outcomes for our kids. Then you see at the national level, the NEA and other teachers unions are the second most powerful lobby in the nation. And they were directly, they caught them dictating to the CDC on guidelines for COVID coming from the teachers union. So when you have these dues that are paid that they have control over they see in our state where they threaten to strike if we bring our kids back to school and actually teach them an education then you have the video or the audio i shared a couple weeks ago on doug and marty versus the world where you had a texas teacher saying we've always been activists and they don't let want us to teach critical race theory and divisive things I'm reminded. Now, of course, I'm not saying all teachers, but I'm talking about the teacher's union is way too powerful and has the wrong motives and the wrong um, focus. Um, This politically motivated, very politically motivated, and it's not about outcomes for our kids. There are great individual teachers. But this teacher in Texas was talking about the fact that her job is to indoctrinate our kids. I remember my daughter, my middle daughter, was in middle school. I remember this, in old grade school. And they had like a two-hour-long assembly that I actually got to volunteer at. And it was talking about Mother Earth and how we're killing it and raping the planet and so forth. My daughter cried for a week. Literally, it was upset because she took it personally that she was killing, and we were killing as her parents, Mother Earth. That is not what our teachers should be teaching our kids. That is not, uh, that's an indoctrination, that's a political agenda. And I will say this too. I ran for statewide for office twice now. I've been invited into school districts, into gymnasiums, into uh, public affairs, being classes talking about political science. And, uh, and teachers, I, everywhere I went, you had anti-Republican, anti-Trump, anti-anything to do, uh, plastered everywhere. It is very political in the public education system, one-sided. It's not about here's one side and here's the other side, have a discussion about it, what's your points. Literally, if you're con- you're conservative, you're not welcome. So I'm grateful for the opportunity, but we have a lot of work to do, and a lot of this comes down from a, a very way too powerful teachers union. And one more story before I get into the facts of what we're dealing with here. I remember running for Congress years ago uh, against uh, a it was Congress or Senate. I was thinking of the Senate, anyway. And the incumbent said that he had the the teachers union rep the district leader for that on speed dial literally before he made any decision he checked with the teachers union first who deals with the teachers unions that's the school board members that's why it's important to have people with on school board that have your parents interest then the child's interest in mind who have a backbone and understand our constitutional rights so during covid Um, Our our kids had to take school online like most of your kids did as well. Uh, Unless you were in a private school or a private setting or doing homeschool, your kids were on a video, and most of the grades didn't matter. Once again, our education has been changing for quite a while. I believe it's intentional. Uh, We went from Common Core and No Child Left Behind uh, to Core 24, where you have more credits to take, but the credits you have to take really... Don't prepare you for college or for a job or anything. But there's this political wokeness uh, being taught where they're they're encouraged, in least in my school, our kid's school, or go out and protest anything the political left desires. That's counted. And as we've seen, education is being molded to drive a particular narrative, like critical race theory. There's no absolute truth. It's only about lived experiences. You're an oppressor or a victim. This is not healthy for our kids, but it's being pushed by a political agenda through a powerful teacher's lobby. So let's circle back to outcomes. We know what's being taught to our kids. We know what the effects of it. When you look at the data nationwide, SAT scores have dropped a hundred points since the, since the 1970s. Think about that. In Washington State in 2020, 2021, and even in 2018 before before COVID, so throw that out, one in five kids drop out of high school that's 20 percent dropout rate has been for the last 35 years no matter what that don't graduate and the lion's share the majority of those are young boys because i have a program talking about how right now the war on boys where education even is even designed to make boys more girl-like they the way it's produced and the way you teach is taught towards a girl centric model as well. This is intentional. Once again, the war on boys, the war on men, the war on families, but it goes into education. Remember Karl Marx's um, quote there. Okay, 20% dropout before graduating. Has been, hasn't it budged in the last 35 years? Once again, Democrat control. I'll say this. How about the ones that do graduate? So the 80% that go on to graduate high school in Washington State, which is ranked 12th in the nation, 38th in the world, which is terrible for math and science, about 30% actually go to a four-year college. Okay, a third of the uh, 80%, so 50% roughly go to college. Of those, 50% drop off before the, drop out of college before their second year is done with massive college debt and nothing to show for. They're in debt, and they have no degree, no skills. Of the ones, of the 50% of those that that graduated and went to college, now we're talking about 20%. 20% of our high school students in the state of Washington actually graduate college, once again with massive college debt, and you think, okay, great, at least we have 20% getting a high-paying job in the state of Washington. No, no, not so fast. Of those that actually finish with massive college debt with a college degree in the state of Washington, 54% are underemployed or unemployed in the degree they went to school for, meaning they're going to school for worthless degrees with no market demand. There are 2,000 students every single year that graduate with an art history degree, and there's only a, a handful of jobs to fulfill. So what happens? They end up either not working or working a minimum wage job with $100,000 in college debt. That is absurd. And yet we're told by the political left that every child must go to college, that somehow you are less than if we don't pay for them to go to college. Listen to me here. Not every kid is supposed to go to college. College, once again, is where it's at now is is indoctrinating a certain type of kid as well. But it fits for some that are have the aptitude for it, that have the math skills for it, that have the English skills, whatever it may be. you Going in the medical field, you want someone to go to college, and law field and so forth. However, on the flip side of that, you have over 7.1 million jobs available pre-COVID in the trades with no one to fill them. We're importing labor from around the world to find people that have the skill sets to fix a car, to build a building, to build a house. And so we import cheap labor. We import high expensive labor when it comes to tech jobs. We have over a million H-1B visas every single year for companies like Google and Microsoft because there isn't enough people trained in those skills. So STEM skills, and we're talking about trade skills. And yet our kids in in high schools are dumbed down. The common core principle means that the common, everybody, the top producers get forgotten. There's nothing for them because they want to bring them down to the common, the even level. They focus on the underperformers trying to give them the breaks to somehow equalize things. That's communism in a nutshell. When everybody's equal, but they're not. And basically resources are spent to make sure that you are dumbing down our kids and not giving them opportunity. I want our kids to be successful. There's a way to do that. The bottom line is we need, there's a huge demand. I just said 7.1 million jobs pre-COVID in the trades. A certified mechanic in the state of Washington with all the the, the credentials starts out at $80,000 a year with no college debt. That's a good paying job. My brother is a millwright. They make great money. It's a four-year apprenticeship program. We need to start exposing our kids to the opportunities and encouraging them that there are a large portion that are meant to do a trade. Plumber, electrician, and so forth. We need to do a better job of that. And there is a portion as well that need to go into STEM. There's a way to do that. In Florida right now, it's very European in their approach. The kids take all of the basic things, math, science, history, world history, U.S. history, and so forth, Up through middle school and junior high and then there's different tracks if you're on a um, skills track you pursue the skills track the the work centers the trades the apprenticeships whatever and they work into high school and right into the trades with a high-paying job they can provide for their family the other track may be college route they have a college track they may have a stem track as well we can do this in washington state on the stem track we have so many big businesses, Microsoft, like I said, Google and, and Amazon and so forth. We should do a private-public partnership where they build the schools. We provide the teachers. We teach high school students the skill set, and veterans, by the way, to learn these STEM careers and that they would direct hire into the companies without going to college. It doesn't need to. It's a skill set training program. The same thing with our apprenticeship programs in the trades, plumbing, electrical. We need to work with our uh, non-public sector unions that have these skill centers to work with our high schools. Those that are on a trades track do a a public-private partnership with them as well where we hand them off. They learn the skills after learning the basics of the Constitution and math and science. And they learn how to be a plumber. They learn how to be an electrician. And they graduate high school with a plumber's certificate or a journeyman plumber, where they make great money to be supply, to supply and provide for their family. These are not rocket science ideas. These are things being done elsewhere in the world. They should be done here. Then we have charter schools. The reason we don't have more charter schools in our state, two things. One, the teacher's union fought against them and doesn't want more because charter schools create competition, which creates excellence and gives parents choice. And the second thing is they've mandated that even though we have charter schools in the state, they have to teach the same things as a public school, which is, again, political and indoctrination. We, as parents, as citizens, as people of Washington State, knowing that if we want to change the direction and the future for Washington State and for the kids of America, we've got to give them choice. We've got to give parents educational choice, which means the dollar needs to follow the parent to where they expand their money, where their kids get the best outcomes. We need to give the kids educational choice, where their aptitude is tested, where they're gifted towards technology. They are in a technology track, and they can be supported in that way. If they are not down that way, and they're good with their hands, like my brother was, then a trades track should be there for them. So they're filling the need of the 7.1 million jobs available. In fact... Even one more stat for all of our listeners out there, 50% of the public works workers in the state of Washington, you know, sewer district, you know, your public works, the parks and so forth are going to be retiring in the next five years with nobody in the wings to replace them with the skill sets. Once again, another place to do on the job training, apprenticeships, internships, and so forth. This is where we need to go. But we need to break up the monopoly of the public school system that wants to indoctrinate. And we need to elect school board members that want choice and elected officials that say, you know what, the parents drive this, the kids need to have choice, and the outcomes is what we need to measure. So teachers and free up teachers to actually teach to these outcomes so the principles can be taught and it's not so political. So once again, our kids should be first and not last when we have a 50% dropout rate of those go to college, and we have a massive college debt problem that was created intentionally by allowing colleges in the state to raise their tuition levels and allow the kids to borrow more money for jobs that don't have any demand. There should be, this is one more thing, we should push for not only school choice and educational choice for parents and kids, and in addition to that, we must work on legislation and get it passed that there is a fiscal note tied to a career choice. Your high school counselor should be partnered with a workforce counselor, partner with a financial thing. You're choosing to go into this career line, go to college, um, borrow this kind of money. The career that you're going into has this type of outlook for the future. This is how much you are expected to make. This is how long it will take you to pay off the loans you are borrowing today. And then, oh, by the way, if you consider this other track where there's no college debt, this is how soon you could be retired or buy a house. We need a return to the basics of reading, writing, arithmetic, constitutional foundational values, world history, state history, wood shop, metal shop, auto shop, all those skills, things where kids get to explore their, their abilities and what they like and what They don't like, and the information that parents need to make a choice. That's good for their kids and good for our state and good for their families. There's a lot of things we can do, but we need to change the political environment to do it. That's why these school board races. That's why these local elections are so important as I beat the drum like crazy today But we need to make education a results-focused opportunity with choice and competition. I'll leave it there today. I want to thank you again for tuning in to In My Opinion, where I express my opinion on different issues and topics. I'm Marty McClendon, your host. God bless you, and God bless America. And see you next week.